Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to another Giant Take episode. This is episode number 88 of the Giant Take podcast. And more math problems again. It's actually episode 89, Josh. We are excited to welcome on a special guest in a little bit, Seth Galina of PFF. He's a college analyst for them, and we'll be able to talk with him about various different things. Um, But for this episode beforehand, for the intro, we do have a few things set up here. We're going to, our big thing is a Giants big board. We have a big board that Alex and I created together. Um, and that was for, you know, the best players that are could be available at number 11. Obviously, we are not at, you know, the Giants aren't on the clock right now. So we don't know exactly who they're picking or who they're who's available at 11. But we we're assuming these 11 players are available. And then Alex and I had a um, our own top 10 of who we would want the Giants to take. And that's two individuals. So we'll go through that. And of course, if you were waiting for the 3.0 mock draft, I feel like 1.0 and 2.0 have come out before our episodes, or maybe not, but whatever it is, that'll be uh, later this week, um, maybe over the weekend, maybe on Monday. We'll have to wait and see. But um, we are excited to give you that as well. But first of all, Alex is back in his um, you know little area in the attic, of course, where he records. Um, away from everyone else in the household so he can have peace and quiet and silence when he records these episodes. He's got the Chelsea Football Club that his head's blocking in the background, if you're listening. It is what it is. So, Oh, he's getting out of the way. We're good. He's got the Giants flag on the opposite side. Alex, good morning. We are recording Thursday morning. How are you? How are you today? You know, I'm doing well. The draft is exactly two weeks away from when we're recording this. It's it's getting close. It's crunch time. It's getting exciting. I'm nervous about it. I know Josh is nervous about it. I'm not sure if he's actually nervous about it. I'm just saying it. He probably is. Um, and I'm just excited. All this draft stuff gets me all excited. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll we'll have some answers soon, and then we can, you know, don't have to gossip about this anymore and kind of do a uh, or I, I'm not gossip. I'll say educated guesses, right? I think that's a better word for it. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to get going. Uh, we worked on these big boards, like you said, and uh, I guess we can get right into it. And then we'll have a couple pieces of news uh, before we go to our interview. We have Seth Galina on uh, from PFF. 
Um, he'll be coming on at the end of this intro section. Uh, so make sure to stay tuned for that. Um, but I guess let's just get right into the big board. Um, I'm going to, uh, you know, talk about just kind of like a brief draft summary of each of these players as we go through. And then Josh can obviously talk more about them uh, if he feels like and how, you know, his feeling on it, whatever. Um, so first here uh, we have Penny Sewell. We're not going to have any of the quarterbacks because obviously the Giants would never, ever draft a quarterback, right? So it just doesn't make any sense to have them there. So obviously Trevor Lawrence is the best player in this class, but we're not doing quarterbacks. So it will be Penny Sewell. If he is somehow there by a miracle, that would be very nice for the Giants. Um, he is only 20 years old, six foot five, 325 pounds out of Oregon. Um, so he plays left tackle. We're kind of going to go into these guys a little bit more in depth than we usually do. So that way you kind of understand more of these players. I feel like we just say the names um, and then we don't actually talk about them enough. Uh, in the run game, he's especially potent. Uh, he's really tough line bo- uh, line blocker in the run game. Uh, and really in the passing game, he's very good as well. Uh, and he really doesn't give up many sacks as uh, sacks at all. And he could go into the guard, uh, into the guard position uh, if need be at the NFL level, um, because he's definitely flexible like that. He obviously only played tackle in college, but could play guard at the NFL level. But really, I think he would be uh, the best fit at tackle uh, and a very good player there. He's a junior for Oregon. He played obviously his freshman, sophomore uh, season and junior season as well. This, or in, the, in his 2019 season, which was his best year, he was a first-team All-Pac-12. He was unanimous All-American. He won the Morris Trophy, which is given to the best offensive and defensive lineman in the conference. And he was also given the Outland Trophy, which is basically kind of the same thing as the other trophy. But it's awarded to the best college football interior lineman uh, in the U.S. So similar to the Morris Trophy, but that was his best season coming in 2019. Alex uh, we'll go on to number two, and this is a player that I've liked since the beginning. I wrote a draft profile on him. Check it out on thegianttake.com, and that is Kyle Pitts out of Florida. Kyle Pitts, a tight end. Um, I've always liked to categorize him as a tight end slash wide receiver. Obviously, he, yes, he is a tight end, and Alex kind of made a comment about it uh, on our last 2.0 mock draft. That Josh, let's put him as a tight end. We don't need to do wide receiver slash tight end. That's like the professional way, which I agreed. Uh, completely true, but... Um, you know, you can put him in the slot, and I think he could definitely run just as fast um, as a wide receiver and just a little bit more physical, obviously, and taller. Coming in at 6'6", six, six, or excuse me, 340 pounds. That would be a really big uh, tight end. But no, 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 240 pounds. Um, obviously, like I said, played for the Florida Gators. Also a junior, um, or was a junior in college. Had 770 yards in his best season in 2020 with 12 touchdowns and 17.9 yards per catch, which is pretty crazy. Um, and and his best game, there's a few you could choose. Um, there was a game against Alabama where he had seven catches for 129 yards and a touchdown. There's a game against um, Kentucky where he had three touchdowns. So there's a lot of games you can choose, but that's Kyle Pitts, number two on our overall list. Yeah, and in terms of how he would fit in the NFL, he could be you know used anywhere, like Josh mentioned, on the outside in the slot. Um, in the running and passing game, he could block as well uh, with his big frame. Uh, definitely one of the you know very different players that we've seen coming out at the tight end position. Obviously, you know Evan Ingram was kind of different when he came out, obviously to the Giants because he was uh, kind of more of this dynamic passing game tight end. 
well, Kyle Pitts can do it all. He's obviously a better prospect than Evan Ingram ever was. Um, and that's why we have him number two overall in the big board. Um, moving next, we have wide receiver Jamar Chase um, out of LSU. So Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. he skipped uh, or he opted out of his junior season uh, last year due to COVID, but hasn't really hurt his draft stock at all. Um, 6'1", 208 pounds, junior out of LSU. He won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, uh, he was a Heisman Trophy winner. And uh, Joe Burrow was his, uh, you know, Joe Burrow and uh, Jamar Chase, they were kind of had really good link up play at LSU. Could he be going to the Bengals? Maybe. Um, But obviously this is in the case that he does somehow fall to the Giants. And uh, he set a single season SEC record for receiving yards, 1780 and touchdowns at 20. Uh, And his route running is superb. His hands, ball skills, post catchability and blocking. He's just an all-around great wide receiver, um, and you know, despite his uh, lack of playing in this past season, he's still our number three player on the big board. Yeah, and um, misinformation from Alex there, all good, no worry. Um, Heisman Trophy not winner, uh, has not won the Heisman Trophy. Um, you might be confusing him with Devontae Smith, who won it this past year in 2020, and then Joe Burrow in 2019. He is a college football national champion. He also uh, was an All-American the year that Joe Burrow won in LSU, made it all the way. Um, and he's also first-team SEC. And Alex, if you're watching, um, Alex is very confused by what he's seeing right now um, on on um, on Jamar Chase. But we'll be able to move on now to the next one, and we'll see if Alex wants to clear it up next time. That's going to be Micah Parsons out of Penn State. And Micah Parsons is a player that we had him going at 1.0. Um, and obviously, we would want him to go once again to the New York Giants if he's available. Coming in at 6'3", 245 pounds. He's 21 years old. Obviously, there's some issues. We'll get to them later, uh, you know, about Micah Parsons. But, I mean, I think that he's a great player. Obviously, he won All-American in 2019, another junior um, he was he, he whoa he participated in the Cotton Bowl. He's been an All American, first team All Big Ten in 2019. Cotton Bowl Defensive MVP. This is a player that the Giants could want, and you would hope they get um at this at this pick at number 11 if he's available, and he's number three in our big board or four in our big board. Excuse me. Yeah, sorry, clearing it up here. I was reading Smith's profile. We kind of have him on the list here. Sorry about that. Yes, he is not a Heisman Trophy winner, even though maybe if he did play this past season, he might have been. Uh, so who knows? Uh, making that up there, who knows? Uh, Jalen Waddle, he'll be number five on our list um, out of Alabama. Two wide receivers out of Alabama on this top ten list here. Um, so Jalen Waddle, uh, just pulling him up right here, making sure I've got the right player this time. Uh, he's dynamic. He was injured for most of this season, um, obviously. And, you know, there is some injury concerns with his ankle, 5'10", 182 pounds out of Alabama. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a very speedy wide out. You know, he in his four games that he did play this season, he was absolutely terrific. He could play in the slot. He could play on the outside. Uh, and you could even kind of use him in the backfield as some sort of tool there. Uh, kind of like a Curtis Samuel, if you look at it like that. But I think he's a much better player than Curtis Samuel, or he will be a much better player than Curtis Samuel. Uh, and he's definitely a speedster. He can get in behind uh, and, you know, great after the catch as well. Yeah, great route runner Jalen Waddle is. And I think we'll just go on to number six, and that's Rashawn Slater, the offensive lineman. Um, and that player is from Northwestern. 
And you know what? I think Slater is a great player that the Giants should add. I think it's, you know, a good thing that, you know, they should get obviously the top player on the board behind Penny Suell, who's number one, coming in at 6'3", 315, the offensive lineman. Um, and he played at Northwestern, like I said. He's 22 years old. You know, um, here's the thing with Rashawn Slater. Coming up, you know, it's it's different between Alex and I, where we have Slater ranked not too far. It's only two spots of a difference, but Alex has him a little bit higher than I do. I don't know. It's just it's just a feeling I have about it. I obviously want a more flashy player, not an offensive lineman, but it is what it is with uh, Rashawn Slater at six. Alex, if you have anything else on Slater, go ahead. But uh, if not, we can move on to number seven. Up to you. Yeah, with Slater, obviously, it's like the hope that he could play guard, right? Um, but, you know, he didn't play guard in college, but he is, you know, proper size to be a guard at the NFL level. Um, but, yeah, that's basically all I have to say about him. Moving on to the actual Heisman Trophy winner, Devonta Smith, um, another wide receiver out of Alabama. Just, you know, there's so many good wide receivers, these top three wide receivers coming out. Um, and obviously there's big depth going throughout the draft, but these top three are definitely some of the best we've seen in a while. The thing with Devonta Smith, 6-1, decent height there for a wide receiver, 175 pounds. He's a small build. His frame is not conducive to the NFL, um, but he was absolutely amazing in college. He, you know, obviously won the Heisman Trophy. He was the number one option in 2020, 2021, uh, for, or 2020 uh, for Alabama, uh, Mac Jones' favorite target. Just, you know, incredible in college. But then again, you have to look at it. What cornerbacks was he facing? Were they, you know, the same physical cornerbacks that you might see in the NFL? Probably not. So there's definitely some concerns about him. He's explosive, but he would have to gain weight or, you know, kind of build his frame a bit if he wanted to be successful in the NFL. That's for sure. Very true, Alex. But, I mean, you look at Ohio State and how they were able to make it to the national championship. So he's facing Ohio State corners. And in that game, 12 receptions, 215 yards, average almost 18 yards a catch, and three touchdowns. So, you know, just something to think about. Obviously, also had 130 yards against Notre Dame and three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl, or I believe that was the Rose Bowl or maybe the SC Championship game against Florida. 15 catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns. Um, LSU, they were pretty poor this season, but eight catches, 231 yards, three. Devontae Smith is a great guy. Uh, I mean, a great guy when it comes to, you know, receiving. I haven't met him personally, so I don't know for sure. But, um, you know, on the football field, he's very good at uh, what he does at his position. And I guess that'll bring me to my next player on the list, and that's number eight, Patrick Sertain. And Sertain, the thing is with him, you know, there's been some questions about who's higher, J.C. Horn um, or Patrick Sertain or the third cornerback that can't think of the name of right now. Caleb Um, Farley. I feel like that's the second time. I feel like I did that in the mock draft too. I, I forgot one of the cornerbacks names, but yeah, uh, certain, I feel like there's been, it's been between Farley and Horner who's higher, but I feel like on most people's list, certain has always been number one, uh, 21 years old, obviously. And he comes, he comes from, uh, can't think of the school, Alabama as well. Uh, two players from Alabama. And I think that he's a perfect player, uh, for the New York giants at this pick at, from, from Alabama in his junior season, went to the Rose Bowl. He was the defensive MVP there. Um, obviously went to the national championship. He was the SEC defensive player of the year, first team all SEC and unanimous All-American. So, you know, we're going down on, you know, down the board on this list. And it's just, 
good player after good player. There isn't really any. Uh, no one's gonna have that bad of um, of like a profile, obviously. Yeah, and moving on, another cornerback followed right by Patrick Sertain, like you mentioned, Josh. There's definitely some people. There's just like there's the three wide receivers. There's also the three cornerbacks. Um, kind of like how I like to see it here. Um, so the next player we have up is, um, where is he on this list? We have K, uh, JC Horn. Sorry. I almost said Caleb Farley again. So JC Horn, um, out of South Carolina, six, one, 205 pounds. Um, <clears throat> he's the son of four time pro ball wide receiver, Joe Horn, um, who also went to South Carolina. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, he enters the NFL after three seasons, the, uh, in the SEC, uh, he played in the slot in 2018, and then 2019 and 2020, he went to the outside, and that's where he projects best in the NFL. His size and length and physicality uh, will be all very conducive to the NFL, um, and he's going to be good in press coverage, man coverage. He may struggle a bit in zone coverage, um, so that's something you would have to work on when he comes to the NFL. But besides that, an extremely solid uh, player. Um, Josh, do you have any comments on that? And then obviously we have our last player as well. Um, not too many comments on JC Horn. I obviously talked about how him and Caleb Farley have kind of been debated with each other on who's higher on the cornerback list. So that's really all I have to say. I mean, he's a pretty good player, right? We've done some film on him. We've watched him obviously to get us prepared for this episode and our mock drafts and where we put him in the first round. I'd rather obviously have Patrick Sertain. There's rumors, or not rumors, there's mock drafts that have Sertain going before the Giants. So, you know, Horn is probably the biggest uh, cornerback left there behind Sertain. I have him over Farley. So that is what it is. And then coming in at number 10, Jeremiah Wosukoromoa, unanimous All-American once again this year. He's a senior um, out of Notre Dame, excuse me. Six foot one, 215 pounds. So he's a very kind of small uh, linebacker. But he did win the Buckus Award, which is actually given to the best linebacker in the U.S. and obviously won ACC Defensive Player of the Year, first team All-ACC, um, you know, and a great player. So that's our top 10 players list that we made together. And I'll just run through mine. Alex can run through his. This is who you would want. Uh, that are the top 10 players available, um, you know, that we would combined think are the best value, where this is who we want individually as Alex's. If you're watching or if you're listening, I love, you know, I love commentating on this. Alex is slowly raising his hand. So what would you like to say before we go into this? Um, basically, this is if, let's say we're at number 11, Giants are on the clock. Somehow all of these players are still on the board. Which one would you want us to take in order? Um, and that's basically it. Sorry, Josh. I just wanted to explain it like that for some reason, even though you explained it the exact same way. All good. Um, so... I'll go, I'll run through my list real quick. Penny Sewell, same thing. I keep him at number one. Number two, same thing, Kyle Pitts. Number three, I have Micah Parsons. So switching it up a little bit. Number four, Rashawn Slater. Number five, Jamar Chase. Six, uh, six excuse me, Patrick Sertain. Seven, Jeremiah Wosu Kormoa. Eight, Jalen Waddell. Nine, Devontae Smith. I've grown the wide receivers. I originally wanted a lot more wide receivers. Now it's like, you know what? I, I feel like we don't need them with the Kenny Galladay signing as much as we did or as much as I wanted them earlier. And then 10, J.C. Horn, um, you know, Alex, you can run through yours now. Yeah, so I have like a list written down, but actually I was watching some film uh, on a certain player and I'm actually going to move them up the list a little bit, but I'll let you know when we get there. So Penny Sewell, I have him at number one. Rashawn Slater, number two, I think we need to go O-line. So either one of those guys 
uh, I think are our top two options. Then I have Kyle Pitts. Um, I obviously he's just crazy athletic. Jamar Chase, um, Micah Parsons, and then here I have a little bit of a change. Originally, I had Jeremiah Wosu Karamoa here. I'm gonna have Patrick Sertain there. Uh, really solid cornerback when I was watching him, so I really like him. Um, seven, I'm gonna have uh, Jeremiah Wosu Karamoa. Uh, then I will have Jalen Waddle at number eight. Devonta Smith at number nine and JC Horn at number 10. So that'll be my list there. A little bit of a late adjustment, but I like my list. Um, anyway. Yeah. So we'll get to the giants news now a little bit, and then we'll throw it to our interview. Um, that was our giants big boards. Once again, NFL mock draft coming tomorrow. Uh, and the first thing I have here is the New York times says that the giants may shy away from Gary Russo. Um, or I believe was that Michael. I think it was Gregory Rousseau, actually. Um, I thought it was Micah Parsons, which I mentioned in the... Uh, Micah Parsons, we've actually seen um, have some issues, obviously. It, you know, it's it's some weird stuff, but I, I do believe that it is Gregory Rousseau. I just want to check up on that. But apparently, that's what the New York Times said, that the Giants might shy away from him do his red flags, and then they compared him to OBJ. Uh, with those type of red flags. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, Alex, stall for me for a second just to make sure I have Gregory Russo's name right because, um, yeah, just just stall. You got it, Alex. Yeah, so actually I had something I was going to talk about anyway, so I'll talk about it right now. Um, another edge out of Miami, Jalen Phillips, right? So there, he obviously has extreme injury concerns, but the Giants have been heavily, heavily linked to him. Uh, you know, I'm hearing around a lot of, you know, the Giants beat reporters, stuff like that. Um, so if, you know, he's cleared medically, I think he could be definitely a player that you could see the Giants take at number 11. If he somehow falls to number, uh, what is it, 44, maybe then you could see that um, or in a trade back scenario. But I think he's actually more likely to be taken now than Gregory Rousseau, even if this is true or not true, depending on what Josh finds. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Josh, do you need me to stall more and say more things or uh, you got, you need me to say more things? Okay. If you could go to the mock, go to the mock drafts. Yeah. The mock draft. See Josh is uh, if you're watching on video, you can see him nodding anyway. So you can tell. Um, but for the mock drafts, we have some new ones. Jalen Waddle, NFL.com. Uh, Maurice Jones, Drew, Jalen Waddle, Doug Farrar, touchdown wire. Almost struggled with that name there. Jalen Waddle, Mel Kuyper. He has no idea what he's talking about. Quiddy pay, uh, Brad Gagnon bleacher report. I'm sorry, Brad. Um, can't pronounce your name. Um, Mel Kuyper has no idea what he's talking about. Don't worry about him. Um, but everyone else, I don't know exactly about their qualifications, so I'm not going to judge. Um, but yeah, same players. We've seen a lot of Jalen Waddles here, right? So we got three Jalen Waddles and one Quiddy pay. Um, if you were not able to count that in your head. Um, but yeah, Quiddy pay is another player who, you know, has kind of been slowly rising up draft boards recently. He was kind of going down and then kind of came back up. Obviously this is all just in the media, right? You know, I'm sure Joe judge didn't have Quiddy pay sliding down to 22 and then came back up to 11. I think, you know, they, as we saw last year with Andrew Thomas uh, in the way that he really fell into like almost the twenties. And then you see him being taken at number four. You would never really know. Josh has the information. I can stop stalling. Here we go. New York post. Excuse me. I'm searching on the New York times. It was a New York post article. New York Post article by Ryan Dunleavy said that Micah Parsons, I have no idea why I put Gregory Russo in the dock. No problems with Gregory Russo out of Miami. This is a perfectly fine guy. Micah Parsons has had some red flags. So I was right. And quote unquote comes off like an Odell Beckham. And this is actually something I did want to pull from. 
Um, I don't know if many of you listeners know this, and I found this out from reading this article, so that's why I wanted to mention it, obviously. Um, during an incident, Parsons was suspended from his high school from allegedly inciting a riot in 2016, and he yelled, gun, while police were in the cafeteria. Um, so there's that. And there was also some stuff in the locker room, apparently in college that there were some issues, um, you know, w- with him. And Parsons said, obviously people had some concerns about things that has happened. Parsons said when asked by the post about his character, we all made mistakes when we were 17, 18. If someone is going to judge me over that, then I would rather not be in their program. I know this type of person I'm becoming. I know the type of father I'm becoming to his soon to be three year old. Uh, that's all that matters. You know, I mean, that's fine. Um, it's just, it's, it's very, uh, it's very interesting. And I did not know that. I knew there were some issues when I wrote a draft profile article, article, go check it on the giantic.com plug, but I did not know about the high school incident. So that's a little bit interesting. Um, but anyway, we run through everything. We now want to send to our interview um, with Seth Galina from PFF, and let's go to that right now. We are back now with a very special guest. Seth Galina now joins us. He's the host of the PFF College Football Podcast, and you and you can go follow him on Twitter, and it's perfect because he has it right there in front of you, PFF underscore Seth. Seth, how are you doing today? I'm uh, fantastic. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. We're uh, excited to talk some Giants. Just before recording, you mentioned that um, when you asked us how we're doing, we said we are excited, um, and you said there aren't many New York Giants fans that are excited out there, but you know what? I'll take that. I'll take that as a victory. You know, I mean, the signing of Kenny Galladay, the options that we have at number 11 is kind of a bright side. We haven't been able to have that uh, at number four last year because it was kind of like you're taking an offensive lineman. Like Giants fans, you can think you're taking, you know, you're not taking an offensive lineman, but it's between one of the three, right? It was Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, and Mekhi Becton. Um, and it was just really, you know, which one are you going to take? Um, so, I do want to start out by asking you, you did a three-round mock draft for the NFC East a few days ago. Had the Giants taking Waddle at number 11. Had the Giants also taking Ronnie Perkins in the second round from Oklahoma. And then uh, J- Jamin Davis um, from Kentucky in the third round. I guess I'll start with Jalen Waddle, obviously, because most people only follow really that first round pro- the first-round prospects there. So I guess for Jalen Waddle, as my dog barks in the background, um, you know, how do you feel about him with the New York Giants at 11? Because we talked that maybe the Giants don't need a wide receiver after signing Kenny Galladay. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's still someone who can come in and and play right away. And I do think, I think with a player like Daniel Jones at quarterback, I think you want to almost force him to to throw the ball down the field a little bit more. And I think putting a player like Jalen Waddell, who... I mean, for me, aesthetically, he's my my favorite receiver in this draft. Uh, I'm not saying he's maybe going to be the best one out of these like top four, top five, you know, pass catching options. When we talk about Pitts and uh, Chase and Waddle and Devonta Smith, and even I put kind of Rashad Bateman in that class as well. I don't know if he's going to be the best one, but for me, he's my favorite one because of the type of catches he's making. And yeah, like I said. I, 
things are a little different. Obviously, you know, you take away Kenny Galladay, and for sure, that I think they have to go receiver. Now you can go into maybe a, some different positions, um, but I still think having this type of player who can get down the field in a hurry and give Daniel Jones. Again, it's just you gotta. He's gotta throw the ball down the field. He's one of the lowest average uh, depths of target in the league, and I think he's not like. I, I have Daniel Jones on my brain because I just uh, watched, uh, re- did some you know Daniel Jones rewatching recently, and I think he's like not a. He's a smart player. He certainly understands where to go with the football uh, to a certain degree in the underneath areas, uh, intermediate underneath. Um, p- pretty accurate. But the problem is, if you're not, unless you are like perfectly accurate underneath, like a Drew Brees in his later years, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta throw the ball down the field to make some explosive plays. You know, the Saints can move the football, you know, in these last three years with, with the last four years, I guess, with Drew Brees, because he's connecting on every single pass underneath. Like every single one is a completion, and they're, and, and they can live in a, third and three world in a third and four world even a third and five world not a lot of quarterbacks can so when i look at daniel jones i'm like hey you need to create more explosive plays how do you do that we throw the ball down the field a little more actually actually i probably say a lot more in their case and you know bringing in kenny galladay and then going to take a receiver and at that point you know whether it's Devontae smith who falls to them whether it's jalen waddle falls to them maybe it's pitts i don't know maybe it's bayman i don't know um that'll give him something uh, to throw to down the field, um, you have to change his. You have to like change the synapses in his brain because I don't think he wants to throw the ball down the field. But uh, I think just something, anything to get him to to create more explosive plays. I mean, this was this is not a was not a great offense last year. So just some explosiveness on the field would help them a lot. Yeah, and to be fair, you know, with his everyone was always talking about his turnovers, right? And throwing the ball down the field, you're more likely to give away another turnover. So I think that also kind of made him hesitate a lot of the time. And then also I'd say the other thing is we just didn't have a deep threat wide receiver, really. You have Darius Slayton, but he was going up against number one cornerbacks, um, obviously because we really didn't have a number one wide receiver. And so he wasn't really able to get open too much. He also had his fair share of injury troubles. Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, those are more underneath guys. Evan Ingram has butterfingers, so it's it's just all – it wasn't super great. So, But now that we have Kenny Galladay, I feel like he's, uh, you know, a big play wide receiver. He can, you know, catch a deep ball, uh, a, you know, a 50-50 ball. But in, interesting to me, do you think any of these top three wide receivers are better, uh, you know, as a deep threat? You know, obviously Jalen Waddle, you know, comes to mind for me as the best deep threat um, and maybe not as good of a complete wide receiver. Yeah, I think that that's the general consensus, and it's probably how I feel. Um, probably how I feel about it. I think my my take with these wide receivers, and and then you include Pitts in this as well as as the kind of the like I said, the pass catching group, is the Giants are in a really interesting position being at eleven because you're going to get, you would imagine, two maybe three receivers are off the board um, in the top ten. I would I would think and maybe maybe Waddle goes in the top ten too maybe a four I don't know, but you're you're probably having two or three in the top ten and for me, you know with all the uncertainty in terms of player evaluation you know we don't know anything until uh, until years later, uh, obviously we can we can project that certain players are going to be better than others but I think especially with these this group of pass catchers, 
like you know, two out of the four are going to be good players in the NFL. Three out of the four, one out of the four, probably not four out of the four. So I think the value you get from whoever drops to eleven to the Giants is probably the best value for for one of these guys in the draft, because you're not you know using hubris to say, well, we think we think Kyle Pitts is the best, we think Devonta Smith is the best, we think Jamar Chase is the best. You're just saying, hey, one of these four is going to be an elite wide receiver in the NFL most likely. And whoever falls to us at eleven, well, we have the same shot. You know, this is the same shot at of uh, uh, that that any of the four have of being an elite wide receiver. And we get him at eleven. Um, you know, we don't have to waste a top ten pick on him. Maybe we even can trade back four or five spots and still get one of these top players. So I think the Giants are in a really interesting spot where they can just gobble up whoever falls to them at eleven um, at that receiving position. And be happy with it and be really happy with it. And then, you know, like we've been talking, I think Waddle fits what you'd want to see the Giants do um, next season uh, because he is that deep threat receiver. Um, like I said, not like you said, Alex, not super complete at the, at the other areas of the game of the game. He is very good though. Like that's not, let's not kid ourselves. He's, he's a hell of a receiver, but he does, he does bring you that absolutely blistering speed and can get downfield and can make all sorts of catches down the field. So a quick follow-up here, you know, going through your NFC East mock draft, you have Bateman at number 12 to the Eagles. Obviously we hate the Eagles, but. <laughs> Me too. Don't worry about so, it. Okay. Let's go. So talking about <laughs> Bateman here, you kind of talked about him as maybe in that top three, top four category. A lot of people kind of see it as the top three, then there's Bateman and then everyone else. How do you see him as a prospect? And do you think he's actually a player that, you know, maybe the Giants could take at 11? Yeah, I think if they if they value him, if they evaluate him and say, hey, we need more of a X receiver, a guy that we can isolate, a guy that's going to run all sorts of routes, slants and ins and comebacks and all that stuff. I think that that might be the guy they want to go with. Um, it also just depends. Like, so, yes, that's that's who he is. Um, and then it just depends whether you evaluate him as a top 15 pick, as a top 30 pick, or as, a, as maybe just a second rounder. I think there's a lot of different evaluations of Bateman. I'm a big fan of his, so that's why you know I talk him up a lot. Um, I like what he did um, running these in-breaking routes against press coverage, um, kind of in the same mold that Jamar Chase did at LSU in 2019. He's done it, you know, 2019 and 2020 at Minnesota. Again, isolated, can beat any type of press, um, very technical wide receiver. You can see that you can see that his head coach in, at, at Minnesota was a former wide receiver and a former wide receiver coach because his technique is 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 pure and simple and and very good. So yeah, I'm a big fan of him, but again, I, I he he could fall to the second round and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and this is and this is what it go, goes back into like the hubris of evaluation where it's like, hey, you you just like we just don't know enough about evaluation. We can't say things uh, uh, at 100% certainty. So I like him. Uh, maybe some other teams don't. Maybe some other teams do. I could see him going anywhere from the top 15 to somewhere in the second round. So we have actually done two two mock drafts. Um, you know, we put them on the YouTube and then our website, and we actually had. As much as we would want a wide receiver, we don't think that, you know, GM Dave Gettleman, head coach Joe Judge will make that decision, take a wide receiver at 11, as much as we want them to. So we've gone Micah Parsons in 1.0, uh, and then our second one, Gregory Rousseau. 
I just want to know your thoughts on that. Yeah. And, you know, you know, maybe what would you do? You know, what, like, you know, in our 3.0 that we're going to drop, I think, uh, in a few days, you make the decision. Who should we take at 11? And we'll put them right there. Well, you know, when I look at those two players, um, the two that you mentioned, Michael Parsons and and Greg Russo. So Parsons, like, he's a top five talent who has some off-the-field stuff and plays in a position that's not super valuable. Now, is it super valuable to the Giants at 11? Maybe. Obviously, you guys have all-pro linebacker Blake Martinez there. So, look, how are you going to supplant the, the greatest linebacker of all time, Blake Martinez? I don't know. I, I, he's, he's a tremendous athlete. Um, he grades at a level that we've never seen before at the linebacker position at PFF. Um, so yeah, I think you could, you could go for him and you kind of just plop him in there, you know, next to Blake Martinez, he can learn some stuff and, and he can, he can be on his way with Greg Russo. I think 11 is a little too high for him because I don't think the production is there. He's an athlete. He's an absolute athlete. I do like the way he uses, he doesn't really have a lot of moves now per se. He doesn't, again, not a lot of production. Um, you're drafting him based on the fact that there's not a lot of players who look like him. He's tall, he's lean, he's fast. You know, on tape, it was really good. The combine, uh, sorry, the pro day numbers were not great for him. Um, But I think I love the way he uses his hands. He's always trying to lock people out. So he's not just letting people get into his body. Um, He's a really good player like that. So you can see there's a building, there's some building blocks with him there. But I think you could probably get him. Honestly, I think with him, you could probably get him that same player in the second round, maybe even the third round. And then you're going to get a great value for him um, because you, you, he is that athletic freak that you want. Um, that you want. So out of those two, I would say definitely I would I would go with um, Micah Parsons for sure. For me, that that uh, he, he's a, he he could could be like I said, even though linebacker is not super valuable, he could be a game changer at that position. So moving to your second round uh, in your mock draft for the Giants, you had Ronnie Perkins, the edge out of Oklahoma. Just kind of going through that, obviously you have to go through the process of the mock draft just to, just to see what those NFC East teams take, right? So you have to go through the process. So just you know, asking you about that, you have Aziz Ojolari, who's from Oklahoma as well. You have both of the linebackers, or the edge rushers, excuse me. Um, you can categorize them as that. Jalen Phillips from Miami and also Gregory Rousseau from Miami. Um, and then I also see here um, Carlos Bashman as well from Wake Forest, um, who's another edge rusher. I'm just looking at the PFF, actually, their rankings of the edge rushers. And then you have Perkins coming in at seven. So in the mock draft, I don't know if you remember, but did, did these guys all go before that pick? Or did you have uh, Perkins getting picked in front of one or two of them? Yeah, I wish I could tell you. I don't remember. I will say that out of the group that you that you mentioned, my guy has to be Aziz Ojolari. Not not from Oklahoma, he's from Georgia. He is just a guy that I think you want on your team. Maybe a little undersized, but, you know, a lot of evaluation, at least the evaluation that I do is a lot about aesthetics and, like, looking at the guy that I just like. You just like – you want the guys on your team that you like to watch play. And I love to watch Ojolari play because – He's willing, and honestly, sometimes you just want a guy who who's who is not gonna he's not gonna you know kind of uh, um, not want to deal with the physicalities of the sport that we're talking about. Football is a physical sport, 
Aziz Ojolari wants to be physical with people all the damn time. You see it in the run game. He, he's he's a really good pass rusher. But when I look at him, I see a guy who wants to dominate in the run game. And you see whenever a team pulls a lineman towards him and he's the unblocked defender, he's going to take on the lineman, he hits it with, with vigor and authority. And he's knocking people back. And that, certainly that's the technique they're teaching at Georgia, to knock people back. But my God, it's fun to watch. He is a just a beast out there. Uh, you can see it in my eyes. I think how much I love him. But uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. I like Jalen Phillips too because you're obviously getting a, a really great player, and he's only falling because of the his kind of injury concerns, injury history. Uh, and then Ronnie Perkins. I think the issue with Perkins, really good player, great production this year, but. Um, are you are is that is that the, is that is that Ronnie Perkins like is a 2020 player who played like what like eight games or whatever and had some really good games against like Kansas um, who probably had the worst offensive line in the in the country last year is that the Ronnie Perkins or is he a guy is he really like this really good edge rusher so I think that's the thing we don't know about Perkins yet but all three of them could fall to to the Giants in the second round honestly they could go f- edge rusher in the first round or I think edge rusher. I think you're going to get a good player where they're picking in the second round, so that's why I, I put him. I put an edge rusher for them. Uh, I pick uh, 42. I think it is. Yeah. So going to a different position here, offensive line. I'm not. You know, there's been some discussions, right? So the top two are Sewell and Slater, um, but they both obviously played tackle in college. Do you think either of them could play guard? Because obviously the Giants are in need of a guard now that Zeitler got cut. Yeah. Um, I guess specifically Slater, because assuming Sewell is going to be far, long gone by the time the Giants pick, um, do you think Slater could make it as a, a guard in the NFL? I think Slater is probably still best suited as a tackle. Um, he's just a very technical, technically good player. Now, the guy that I think maybe falls to the second round, or maybe they 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 trade back and 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 go get him is USC's uh, Elijah Vera Tucker and he's a guy who I, I look I liked I like what I saw on tape from him um, as a tackle his footwork is not is not you know Sewell or Slater level and that's I think why people think of him as a guard at the next level um, but he's talented he's very good obviously and I think that's maybe the player that you're looking at a guard I think that's really the player that you want. Um, that you want to get at guard. He's probably, I think, I believe he's our highest ranked guard on the PFF draft board um, or, you know, top two, at least, um, even though he played tackle at uh, USC. So I think if you're talking about, you know, I don't think, I don't think Slater is the guy you want to move to guard, but I think uh, Vera Tucker is the guy you want to move to guard and, and prosper right away with him. Yeah. It's funny you say that because um, Alex did a, mo- uh, excuse me, a player profile on him when we were going to, you know, into the NFL draft because we were scrambling for players. We were looking and then he picked Elijah Vera Tucker and he was like in the middle of writing the article. And he's like, you know, is this really the guy I want to write about? Cause there isn't much information on Elijah Vera Tucker. He's kind of down the board. Not really many people are like talking about him. Um, like you are saying, and we had him going, I think um, to the chiefs in one of our, in one of our mock drafts, like right at the end of the draft. And I was like, I feel like this guy could go earlier or maybe he can even slip into the second round. But I think you're completely right. I've liked him since Alex has written that article because I've kind of didn't know about him. He introduced me to him when he found him. Um, and after reading the article, after watching some film on Elijah Vera Tucker, I really think 
Um, this is a good player for maybe even the Giants if they want to try and trade up into that later second round. They did it we or later first round, excuse me. They did it for uh, DeAndre Baker, cornerback. That didn't turn out too well, but it didn't turn out very well at all. No, it did not. No, it did not. But um, you know, if they want to do it for, I think we'll be a better player on the offensive line. Um, and that could be Elijah Vera Tucker. I think that's great. And then. You know, if they want to wait, take the risk and just see if he waits and and stays at that uh, till the forty second pick. I think that is like a really good addition. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I mean that that's that's the guy that I think is going to be um, ranged on a lot of people's boards. So you're going to get a guy who think uh, think of him as a top thirty pick. You know, in that fifteen to thirty range, and there's going to be teams that probably say, I don't know, maybe even a third rounder. So I think that's an interesting player. I do think he fits fits what the Giants would need, especially in the second round if he falls to them. I think that's a really good pick. Um, you know, again, they could go edge rusher, they could go guard, uh, interior offensive line. I think either one. You're, you just, I think what the Giants need is a guy who can play right away at either of those positions. Um, so if so, probably I would say like if we're taking Perkins or or um, Vera Tucker, I'd probably lean Vera Tucker. Um, but again, if, if, if Olujari is there, if Jen Phillips is there, those guys can play right away, I think too. So, so we'll see. So kind of going to like a couple more second round prospects, Wyatt Davis has been a guy who came up a lot in like second round, you know, mock drafts for the giants. If they were to take a wide receiver, a linebacker or whatever in the first round, there's definitely some decent value at guard in the second round. Uh, you know, Wyatt Davis pops to mind to me for do you have any other, you know, people that you think would be good value there uh, or, you know, any thoughts on Wyatt Davis or anything uh, in that area? Yeah, I don't I don't mind Wyatt Davis. I think we were expecting him to really take off this year and he didn't quite do that. Um, the one of the issues was and, you know, you always try and figure out like we're trying to evaluate players in a vacuum here and trying to like like take away scheme, though. I think one of the issues was there was just some a lot of miscommunication on the Ohio state offensive line this year. A lot of people coming in free on, on Justin Fields. So is that on, who is that on? Like, we don't know who that, who that's on. And it did, did come around where, uh, why Davis is playing, but if he gets his hands on you, you're cooked. Like, forget it. He's, he, he's that type of player. So I do like him. We're just, we would have, again, we would have liked to have seen him take a next step from his 2019 tape, which was very good. He was just okay this past year, and we 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 hope that you know getting to the NFL, more complex system, able to able to deal with certain fronts, certain pressures that the NFL is gonna do, gonna gonna send to you. And he's not gonna be the guy. He's not gonna be the leader on that group. You know what I mean? Like not that not that they. It's a very um, old offensive line. It's a very young offensive line, so they're going to have to be in it together. But, you know, he won't be the one making the calls. He won't be the one. He'll just, hey, you go to this player and you block him. And if that's the case, he's a really good pick. We covered the Giants stuff. I think Alex might have one more Giants question, but you know what? I've waited for this moment, so I'm going to ask the question. <laughs> the top five in the NFL draft, The Giants right? will win the Super Bowl. Next year. <laughs> that's what you're asking? That's, that's what you want to hear? Okay. <laughs> No, it's not even Giants related. I wanted to get the Giants content out of the way so I can go to this question. And that's your like prediction for the top five. We talked about it. Who is each team going to pick? Are the Falcons going to you know switch out of that spot at number five? There, It's like, um, sorry, at number four, excuse me. Bengals had the fifth pick. 
at number four, are they going to switch out of that pick because they don't, you know, really want a quarterback? Is Justin Fields going three? We in both of our mock drafts, we had Justin Fields going three. I'm seeing all of these big name people who are draft analysts and they have Mac Jones going three completely understand it. We've heard all of the things, all the rumors that the 49ers have way more interest and they like Jones more than they like fields. That's fine. I just think fields is a better quarterback. So like, I want to hear your prediction for the five picks uh, in this NFL draft. If I was the GM of all these teams, um, it would be Lawrence fields, and then I, I pause because I still don't have an answer after that. If I, I like Trey Lance, but I understand if people would put Wilson up there. Um, you, so, you, yeah. You don't have Wilson number two. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I have, I am, I think that Justin Fields in any other draft year minus this year with Trevor Lawrence and maybe um, whatever year it was, 2010, 2011, 2009, whatever it was, with, Andrew Luck, 2012, whatever. I think besides those two years of the past decade, I think he's the number one pick in the draft. And I don't think it's even close to tell you the truth. So that's why I'm like, I kind of don't understand all the the hate that Justin Fields gets. I think he's squarely, he is closer to Trevor Lawrence than anyone is as close to him at number two, in my opinion. Um, I don't dislike Zach Wilson. I don't dislike Trey Lance. I don't dislike Mac Jones. I think they're all... They can all give you something. I just think, <laughs> did we not? The, did we all just forget what we've watched for the past two years with Justin Fields? Uh, so that that's why. So I would go uh, to me. The Jets are, would be taking Justin Fields, and then the 49ers. You know, with Fields off the board, with Lawrence off the board, if I was the 49ers, I'm looking for a guy that can open up your offense a little bit more and do some stuff that Shanahan has not been able to do the past however many years. And that's Trey Lance. That's a guy ready-made, out-the-box, quarterback run stuff. You got it. Uh, Out-the-box, can throw to anywhere on the field. His accuracy is suspect. We understand that. Hopefully, he figures it out. Obviously, if he doesn't, he can't play in the NFL. But um, hopefully, he figures it out. And I think it just helps what he would want to do as – uh, as a coordinator, as a as a play caller, Kyle Shanahan, and then I and then probably Wilson, and then Mac Jones would round out my top five. Um, I'm not anti Wilson. I just kind of don't really. And again, you, you you have to evaluate in a vacuum. But I also saw the competition that he was going against. I also saw the clean pockets that he would had, the amount of time he had. Um, that I don't think is something that's going to happen in the NFL. So that's why I'm like a little – I think it's a little weird all the, the hype he gets. Um, I think confidence levels are important here. I think we're very confident that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a good NFL quarterback because we have three years. A, we have him as a top one player, top five player in coming out of high school, five-star prospect. And then we have three straight years starting as a true freshman of elite data, of elite production. That's number one, right? Confidence level off the charts. Number two is Justin Fields. We have a five-star athlete, and we have two elite levels of production for the past two years. So, And with Wilson, we have one. A, we don't have an elite high school prospect, and we only have one year of, of elite production uh, at the college level. So that's that's where I see it. Like You got to look at it in confidence. 
Very confident Trevor Lawrence is an elite quarterback. A little less confident that Justin Fields in, and then probably a lot less confident Zach Wilson is. Please go follow Seth. Um, like where it says, if you're watching this, um, it says it on his bio, PFF underscore Seth. And if you're listening, go on Twitter, PFF underscore Seth. And you know what? This is perfect because this will wrap up both podcasts together. Subscribe um, to the PFF College Football Podcast and subscribe to the Giant Take Podcast. Give both of them five stars. You can either write a review on either of them or just rate it five stars, whatever's easier for you. Um, And we really appreciate you listening. Seth, thank you so much again for coming on, and we will see you next time for another episode. to the all 80s movies podcast i'm bill and i'm jason and this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters the flops and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies the 1980s so whether you're a brain a jock a valley girl or a jedi we've got some 80s classics for you do these movies stand the test of time are we discovering something new is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.